Alice in Brexit Land by Levis Carroll Read by Julian Rhine-Tutt Chapter 7 Tweedleboz and Tweedlegove Fortunately, Alice's fall was broken, and nothing else, when she came to rest in a typical English town. Unfortunately, the object that had broken it was a large and ornate cake. Crumbs! yelled the baker dismayed to see his hard work go to waste. Kind sir, said Alice, who was quite covered in icing, would you please tell me where I am? But he was in no mood to help her. Yeah, I'll bake that for the rally, he cried. Railing at this new scourge of little girls falling from the sky, the baker stomped off down the lane, leaving Alice to examine her surroundings. In the town square stood a platform, around which was gathered a large group of creatures, chanting and waving signs. Soon Alice had pushed through to the front, where she found an angry branch, a fuming twig and a cross stick. Those are you bastards, said the branch. Did you know they want to paint the white cliffs of Dover brown in case Muslims get offended? Yes, said the twig and they want to ban us from using our Christian names. I read about it in the Daily Murdoch. Excuse me, said Alice. What is this event in aid of? Why, the leave campaign, you ninny, said the stick. Now be quiet, they're about to speak. Alice looked across to see two strange fellows, each struggling to climb on stage. One had a deranged mop of blonde hair, the other looked like a duck who had just won a prize. Who are those fat little men? said Alice. Those, said the twig, are the brothers, Tweedleboz and Tweedlegove. They are the intellectual heavyweights of our campaign. Really, said Alice. They look so exactly like a couple of great schoolboys. With considerable difficulty, the brothers managed to roll across to the podium where they stood a while huffing and puffing. The blonde-haired one spoke first. Ooh, ah, gosh, cracky. Ladies and gentlemen, believe me when I say the European Union is nothing more than an odious blancmange. We cannot allow ourselves to be dictated to by every Thomas, Ricardo and Heinrich. No how. Next, the duck-faced one stepped forward. Contrary-wise, he said, Leaving the EU would afford our nation tremendous financial opportunities. Now, so-called experts will say that's rubbish and that telling our largest trading partner to get stuffed will inevitably damage our economy. However, I happen to believe that people in this country have had enough of experts. The speech went on for what seemed to Alice like an eternity, especially as the brothers kept breaking off to hug one another. The rest of the audience, however, were entranced. Tweedlegove would say things that seemed awfully clever, for he wore glasses. And whenever this threatened to become tiresome, Tweedleboz would jump in with a Latin pun or a joke that was borderline racist. Prompted, perhaps, by the sight of a blonde charlatan, Alice's thoughts returned to Trumpty Dumpty. She pictured the egg lying at the base of his wall, shattered into a thousand pieces. His pouty little mouth lay on the grass nearby, still burbling with outrage. How dare the crooked media say I've had a great fall, exclaimed the mouth. Believe me, I'm the least cracked guy you've ever seen. At this point, 
all the king's horses and all the king's men came along, but rather than trying to put Trumpty together again, they instead jumped up and down on the pieces until there was nothing left. Alice emerged from this pleasant daydream to find that the brothers were still speaking. Our participation in the Leave campaign is born of a deep, heartfelt conviction, said Tweedleboz. A conviction that we have always held, for we are patriots first and politicians second. Contrarywise, said Tweedlegove, if choosing this side should happen to help our careers, that is a sacrifice we are willing to make. This was the longest Alice could remember going without speaking, and so she called up to the stage. Pray tell, said Alice, what specifically are the economic advantages of Brexit? Tweedleboz and Tweedlegove both looked horribly alarmed. By jingo, said Tweedleboz, lock some massy. Little girl, said Tweedlegove. I am very pleased to ask that question. Yes, our economy is frightfully important. Fundamentally, though, this debate is about asserting British values of decency, transparency and fairness. It's a matter of principle, and principles are more precious than money. Hang on a minute, said Alice. You spent the last hour arguing that Brexit will make us better off, but now you turn around and say this is about some vague principles. Which is it? There followed an awkward silence, during which the crowd seemed to grow unsettled. Finally, Tweedleboz stepped forward and, with an expression of the utmost solemnity, dropped his trousers to reveal a pair of bright yellow boxers. There was a palpable sense of relief as the whole crowd fell about laughing. LOL, said the branch. Classic Tweedleboz. That guy is a legend. Good old Boz, said the twig, always getting into funny scrapes and <laughs> not like boring, normal politicians. So the fact that he behaves like a buffoon, said Alice, is what makes you think he should be in charge? Oh, don't be so politically correct, said the stick. People keep saying that, thought Alice, but I scarcely know what they mean. Has it suddenly become a good thing to be incorrect? If so, I should remember that when I'm called upon to do my twelve times table. Suddenly, the crowd parted, and the white rabbit came running through. The results are in, he cried, his face even whiter than normal. It's Brexit! The levers erupted in a deafening cheer, then began turning over tables and head-butting walls with delight. The public has voted to leave, continued the rabbit. Fifty-two to forty-eight. A landslide, cried the leavers, upsetting apple carts and setting fire to their hair. Well, that's that, said the rabbit. I've basically ruined everything for everyone. I suppose I'd better go home and play Fruit Ninja. And so he hopped off, once again humming his jaunty little tune. Although the crowd was overjoyed, Alice noted that Tweedleboz and Tweedlegove looked anything but. In fact, they were shaking all over, with great beads of sweat coursing down their faces. It was almost as though the pair of them had not been anticipating this result. As they hugged one another more tightly than ever, 
Alice could make out their whispered words. I'm shocked, I'm scared, I feel quite sick, my mouth's dry and my neck hurts. Oh, why am I such an awful prick? I'd better ask some experts. Have I got news for you? We're screwed. The country won't recover. No, why'd they trust some porky dude who looks like Malfoy's brother? A journalist crab scuttled onto the stage, holding a notebook in one claw and a pen in the other. Harold Pincer, the Gordian, said the crab. During the campaign, you promised extra funding for the NHS if Britain voted to leave. When can we expect to see it? Instead of replying, Tweedle Boz and Tweedle Gove began to dance around madly and sing in unison. We've lost control. We've gone too far. What will become of us? Instead of merely telling lies, we wrote them on a bus. We said 350 mil a week, but tell us who is meant to pay. Oh, God, oh, God, what are we going to do? Boo-hoo, boo-hoo, goodbye, EU, what are we going to do? We claimed a billion Turks were poised to flood across our shore. Our country was at breaking point and couldn't take one more. But without immigration, then we'd all be in a stew. We need those guys. Oh, God, oh, God, what are we going to do. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo, goodbye, EU, what are we going to do? The whole of our economy is built on foreign backs. Their doctors and their workers bring us skills the UK lacks. All native Brits who want to be a cleaner, form a queue. Oh, no one then? Oh, God, oh, God, what are we going to do? Boo-hoo, boo-hoo, goodbye, EU, what are we going to do? We want our sovereignty, we cried with oh such pious faces. And all the while we palled around with lunatics and racists. How good will independence feel when we're all broken blue? The world's gone mad, oh God, oh God, what are we going to do? Boo-hoo, boo-hoo, goodbye EU, what are we going to do? We're just a pair of toffs who thought this might help our career. We only meant to blow the bloody doors off, now we're here. We made a hundred promises, but none of them were true. And so we're out. Oh God, oh God, what are we going to do? Boo-hoo, boo-hoo, goodbye you. what are we going to do? At the song's climax, Tweedleboz emitted a yelp and leapt into Tweedlegove's arms. The two immediately fell to the floor, where they rested a while. Oh, well, said Tweedleboz, picking himself up. At least now I get to be Prime Minister. He strode up to the podium and addressed the crowd. My fellow countrymen, it is with a profound sense of duty, and not a little reluctance, that I, Alexander Tweedleboz de Pfeffel Johnson, put myself forward to be your leader. For you see, just then, he fell down dead, for Tweedlegove had knifed him in the bag. Sheepishly cleaning his blade, Tweedlegove kicked his brother's body to one side and took to the podium. As hard as that was, he said, a sense of duty compelled me. For though I loved Tweedleboz, I know in my heart of hearts that he could not have been our Prime Minister. I, on the other hand, should be. Does that sound good to everyone? Obviously not, cried the crowd in unison. On the basis that you're a creepy duck-faced weirdo. I see, replied Tweedlegove, awkwardly fiddling with his glasses. In that case, I shall go off into the woods to sit on a log and think about what I've done. As the crowd dispersed, 
Alice happened to notice the Cheshire cat sitting on an overturned apple cart. Congratulations on your victory, said Alice. You must feel like the cat who got the cream. Oh, yes, said the cat. This is a victory for real people, a victory for ordinary people, a victory for decent people. Alice frowned. Does that mean all the millions who voted the other way aren't decent and real? That, said the cat, is for others to decide. I merely insinuate things. Still, said Alice, well done for winning. I should imagine you're excited to roll up your sleeves and get on with Brexit. No, said the cat. I'm afraid I must announce my retirement. As far as I'm concerned, it's the people who don't want this who should have to sort it out. But Puss, said Alice, you promised Brexit would make the country so much better. Don't you want to be there when all your promises come true? Alas, the cat had already started to vanish, beginning with the end of the tale and ending with the grin, which remained some time after the rest of him had gone. Soon, the only clue that he had ever been there was the unmistakable smell of beer and scotch egg farts. Chapter 8 The Queen of Heartlessness Alice felt that a walk might help her absorb what had just happened, and so she began to wander through the outskirts of the town. As she wandered, she noticed a great many people who were poor and hungry and saw in their austere faces not a trace of hope. What are your views on Brexit? she asked them, but each shrugged their shoulders and went on his or her way. Eventually, Alice came upon a garden of red roses. There she saw a group of men shaped like playing cards, who were frantically painting the roses blue. I say, said Alice, why are you engaged in this peculiar task? These flowers are the wrong colour, said the five of spades, and we must fix them before the Queen arrives. She was only recently crowned, the three of hearts added, and so everything must be perfect for her procession. A new Queen, said Alice. How exciting. I suppose she must be very beloved of the people. Nope, said the nine of diamonds. No one really wanted her, but she came along all the same. At that moment, the six of clubs, who had been anxiously looking across the garden, called out, The Queen! The Queen! And the four cards instantly threw themselves flat upon their faces. There was a sound of many footsteps, and Alice looked around, eager to see the monarch in person. Soon enough, she beheld a grand procession of playing cards, ministers and advisers and guardsmen. At the back of the pack, Alice noticed a group of diamonds who held aloft a magnificent golden throne. Sitting on this throne, resplendent in her crown, leather skirt and leopard print heels, was the Queen of Heartlessness. Alongside her danced a minstrel who strummed a lute and sang a song. Theresa May, she made some hay, reminding us of Thatcher. But now it's clear the Tories fear Theresa may not match her. However, 
The minstrel was clearly not part of the official procession, for he was soon taken to one side and beaten by a pair of clubs. As her throne passed by Alice, the queen raised her hand, causing the whole train to stop abruptly. She turned, fixing Alice with an imperious glare, then demanded, What is your name, child? My name is Alice, so please your majesty, said Alice very politely. But she added to herself, Why, they're only a pack of cards after all. I needn't be afraid of them. And do you know who I am? said the queen. You are your majesty, your majesty, said Alice. Indeed, said the queen. And my reign will be much celebrated, for I shall deliver a Brexit that works for everyone. Oh, that is a relief, said Alice. And how do you plan to do so? The queen's face reddened somewhat, but her voice remained steady. We shall strike a new trade deal with the EU that puts our country first, she said. I see, said Alice, not really seeing. But why would they agree to that? Surely they have every reason to make an example of us. The Queen, who would brook no contradiction, responded by screaming, Off with her head! Off with her head! Alice was rather taken aback and not a little frightened. Fortunately, one of the advisers came up to whisper in the Queen's ear. He eventually managed to persuade her that, while she could have a child executed in the street, the optics would not be ideal. Now, somewhat calmer, the Queen got down from her throne and walked over to Alice. Perhaps we got off on the wrong foot, said the Queen. Let's shuffle the pack and start again, shall we? This garden is quite charming. Would you care for a game of croquet? Usually I'd be delighted, said Alice. But on my way here, I saw a great number of people who were hungry. Shouldn't you be off helping them rather than playing silly games? Nonsense, said the Queen. Once they become too hungry to move, they shall have the incentive to work harder. Now, take your mallet. Alice was handed a flamingo, and a hedgehog was set down for her to strike. She did so very reluctantly, and with great concern for both animals' feelings. A couple of rounds into their game, Alice turned to the Queen. Your procession is ever so grand, she said. Where is it going? I am off to Westminster, the Queen replied, to trigger Article 50. My, said Alice, that sounds terribly important. I trust you've already triggered Articles 1 to 49. Article 50, said the Queen, is the means by which we shall leave the EU. You must be very proud that your side won, said Alice. Oh, no, said the Queen, whacking her hedgehog through a hoop. I campaign for Remain. Well, if you can call what I did campaigning, I mostly just kept my head down. Horrified, Alice set her flamingo to one side. So, she demanded, you thought Brexit was a wretched idea, but you're still determined to see it through? Naturally, said the Queen. 
That is what is called leadership. That is what is called madness, said Alice. A decision that barely anyone understood is being carried out by a bunch of people who don't think it should happen. The Queen whipped around, causing her flamingo to squawk in alarm. How dare you, said the Queen. How dare you suggest that this wild leap in the dark could be anything but an unqualified success? What I'm suggesting, said Alice, is that we shouldn't fling ourselves off a cliff and hope for the best. Surely a real leader would... Here the Queen stuck an accusing finger in Alice's face. I find you guilty, she said, of the most heinous crime imaginable. Talking Britain down. The cards all gasped in horror, and the Seven of Spades fainted. Though we already know that you are guilty, the Queen continued. There must be a trial to find you so. Guards, tie her up. We shall take her with us to London. Alice gave a cry of outrage as the ace and ten of clubs placed handcuffs on her wrists, then threw her in the back of a carriage. As the procession set off once more, she sat there fuming to herself. Alice felt she was becoming rather tired of Brexit land. The Queen's retinue had advanced only a few steps when it came to a sudden halt. Alice poked her head out of the carriage window to see what was going on. There, in the middle of the road, stood three playing cards in judges' wigs who were blocking the procession. We are sorry, Your Majesty, said the first of the three judges, but we must stop you there. You cannot lawfully trigger Article 50 without the consent of Parliament. How dare you, howled the Queen. What right have some judges to enforce the law? I am your Queen. Have you any idea what I had to do to get this job? Sit there while the other idiots shot themselves in the foot, said the second judge. At this, the Queen turned a deep shade of crimson. Do you really think you three can stop me? said the Queen. A judge who founded a European law group, one who charged the taxpayers millions for advice, and an ex-Olympic fencer who is openly gay? I don't see what that has to do with anything, said the third judge. The Queen turned to her guards, quite incandescent with rage. They are defying the will of the British people, she said. All 100% of them, or 52%, whatever it was, off with their heads. The clubs advanced on the judges with their swords drawn. The Olympian produced his foil and cried, On guard! But his parries and thrusts would only hold them back so long. Alice turned away and sighed, for she could not bear to watch. When the judge's cries had been silenced, the whole mad procession was able to continue. We hope you enjoyed these chapters from Alice in Brexitland, taken from the best-selling book by Levis Carroll, out now in all good bookshops. Make sure you subscribe for the next instalment.